Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 426. Welcome in. It's one of those special episodes. Remember, we're doing a series about Tom Brady's Man in the Arena, the docu-series documenting each of his 10 Super Bowl appearances. This episode, what's the title of this one called? It was something with a G. I remember it was called, like, I have it here. Oh, come on. It's about Tom Brady's 2007 season and the Patriots losing the Super Bowl. Goliaths is what it's called. So David and Goliath. It's about Tom Brady losing the 2007 Super Bowl to the New York Giants. And uh, before I forget, I want to say this because I got a cool opportunity coming up, and I don't, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I don't really know what to do with it. Um, I got a an email, a guy's like, hey, I like your series, you're covering uh, Man in the Arena. He's like, I helped make it. And I'm like, what? And I, I, it's like one of the creators of Man in the Arena who, uh, I'm not, I shouldn't say it. If it doesn't work out, I don't want to blow him up. But please, if you have any ideas, like, hey, I want to hear this or that about the making of this series, it looks like I'm going to interview one of the co-creators of Man in the Arena, which is like, what the heck? It's, it's amazing. Like, when you just make stuff, sometimes the universe responds. And so um, I don't actually entirely know what I'm going to ask him. Like, it's a it's a weird interview because I'm like, huh, I don't entirely know. Like, what would I ask the, the guy who made Man in the Arena? Probably about, like, how much creative control did Tom Brady have and... You know, how did they structure stuff? Things like that. But I, if you have any questions, you're like, hey, that would be an interesting thing to ask the one of the creators of Main in the Arena. Please let me know because I, I am all ears. Comment on YouTube. I'm happy to listen to feedback and probably insert some of the stuff you guys write in when I ask this guy interviews during uh, our sit down. Now, I want to skip ahead of my notes because this episode of Main in the Arena is about probably my... Not only my favorite Super Bowl I've ever seen, which was the Giants beating the 18-0 undefeated New England Patriots. And I know that's kind of weird because I love Tom Brady. I, I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I don't think I, I wish I could tell you that I was rooting for the Patriots and still loved this Super Bowl. I don't actually remember. I, I was 10 years old when this game happened. I was born in 1997. This was the 2007 season. It would have been, I was about to turn 11 years old. It would have been like February of my 10th year alive on planet earth. And so it's one of my earliest childhood memories of football and one of my favorite. It's very nostalgic. I, I remember uh, watching this game with my dad and my brother. And, uh, and I even remember they talk about that week 17 game, Giants, Patriots, the Patriots trying to go 16 and 0. I remember watching that game as well. And uh, I wish I could tell you I was rooting for the Patriots and still had a great time. Honestly, I, I probably looking back at my 10 year old self, I was probably actually rooting for the Giants because I knew, I, you know, everyone loves a good underdog. I remember the Giants were the ultimate underdog. And I don't think I developed my love for Tom Brady until really later. Because later in my life is when I pursued football and became, you know, wanting to be a quarterback. And I, I became someone who was chasing dreams. And that's when I became that person who was trying to play quarterback in college. That's when I really developed my appreciation for Tom Brady. At 10 years old, I was football was barely on my radar. And this was one of the first years I really remember watching. And and my dad was, I I was kind of, you know, all over the place. My dad was like, hey, you got to sit down and watch this game. The Patriots are 15 and 0. And they're trying to win their 16th game of the year to, you know, break NFL history and go undefeated, have an undefeated regular season. And I just, I loved this game. I really, really 
Um, I, I got emotional watching this show, this episode of the, the show, because it's just, this is one of my truly favorite memories as a kid, watching with my dad. And uh, I don't know if anyone else has that similar experience out there, but oh my gosh, this, like, this game is why the Super Bowl, the Giants knocking off the Patriots, it's why I love football. It's an amazing story of a team that the Giants are basically, of all the options that could have gone to the Super Bowl, and Michael Strahan even says that in this episode. It's like, of all the teams that could have represented the NFC in the Super Bowl that year, the Giants were probably the worst team available. And yet, they beat the Patriots. So let's go. Let's let's back up. I want to start with uh, how, how we got there. So it's a fun episode. I really like it. Uh, it was interesting. Spygate was mentioned here. And I forgot. About, like, I didn't forget about that. But I forgot when Spygate happened. It went down this year. And... Bill Belichick told the players, apparently, look, you guys didn't do anything. You weren't involved. Don't say anything. And I think a lot of people will probably listen to this episode and feel skeptical of that. But I, I totally buy that. Like, when you play football, I'm sorry, but you're, you're not setting up cameras. You're not. It's not on your radar. In fact, often coaches create the game plan and give it to the players and the players do their own research, but a lot of the time the game plan is like, I, I just don't imagine that the the players were involved really at all in, in Spygate and a camera being the wrong location in the stadium. And um, I, I don't know what other people think about that, but I, I watched this episode. And went, yeah, that makes total sense. And, and Bill Belichick knowing him would be like, I ain't letting a distraction get in the way of us winning football games. And so Randy Moss of the players are like, look, we don't, know about this we don't care about this I mean people like Tom Brady Teddy Bruschi like the legendary Patriots at the time were really slighted and like okay you're gonna talk trash we are going to beat the living fruit salad out of you <laughs> and uh I don't know it's cool and I gotta say it's really I can't help but compare this series to the last dance the Michael Jordan documentary it's too uh, you know, probably, if not the greatest, one of the greatest NBA players of all time, and if not the greatest, one of the greatest football players of all time, Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, legends in their field, the most accomplished for sure, six rings, seven, and man, it really is such a contrast between Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. Michael Jordan, he sounds so bitter when he talked during the last dance, and Tom Brady doesn't sound that way. Tom Brady, when he talks about his rivals and the people who beat him, Michael Strahan especially, like, he's got so much grace and humility. And maybe that's because you got 53 people on a team and yet you can't be a Michael Jordan-type person and work in the NFL as easily. You have to work with other people. You have to have camaraderie. And you can't be... Like, Michael Jordan just came across as arrogant. And, and I can't help but say that. Like, watching Tom Brady talk about Michael Strahan, and probably one of the most painful losses of his entire life. He still had grace and humility. That stands out to me. Um, so Tom Brady was interviewed for this episode. So was Michael Strahan. So was Randy Moss. And this is the episode I've been waiting for, for the entire run. We've had three episodes leading up to this one, episode four. I've been like, man, I want to get into the really juicy good stuff. And I knew... This would be a great episode. Tom Brady talking about a monumental loss in his career. 
And I mean, there's a, a moment where a producer says, like, you said we, before you sat down, Tom, this one's going to be like therapy. And, and clearly, this is a loss that really, really hurt Tom Brady. And he, Tom Brady even talks about it at the end of the episode. He's like, look, if we go 19 and 0 and really do complete a perfect season, he said, it's possible my whole career trajectory looks different. I retire earlier, I'm more fulfilled sooner, you know. In a weird way, like the silver lining, as Tom Brady calls it, losing this game, this Super Bowl, kind of helped create the Tom Brady we have today. And, and that's really the only way you can look at it. And I, I think this was the best team of all time. I, I, this team did not win the Super Bowl. But I, if you had to win one football game, and like so, someone said, hey, Zach, you got to pick one team to bet money on and if that team wins a football game you get a billion dollars which one football team are you putting out there to play in that game to represent you for a billion dollars i'm i'm picking the 2007 patriots team like i'm i'm sorry and that i don't know if that's controversial or not i i truly believe this is the best team of all time it's unbelievable the names and people they had on their football team dante stallworth wes welker tom brady Randy Moss, Junior Seau, Roddy Harrison, Mike Vrabel, Asante Samuel, Teddy Bruschi, Vince Wolfork. It goes on and on and on. It's crazy to me. And I, I, I truly think that if I had to pick one football team as the greatest team in NFL history, not greatest is the wrong word, like the, the best, like most likely to win one football game, it's this football team. And uh, I, I also have to wonder, like there's a, a clip of Tom Brady at the beginning of this episode. Someone asked him like, which ring is the best? And he had three at the time. He goes, I always say the next one. And I, I do wonder if after 2004, when Tom Brady won his third Super Bowl, I would imagine, and I'm, I'm curious if I, I was like a baby when this happened, right? Like I, I was like five years old, but I, I mean, how old was I? I was, I was seven in 2004, right? I don't really remember what was going on. I, don't, I wasn't following the sports media. That's for sure. And I'm curious, I bet some people thought that Tom Brady would never win more than three Super Bowls at the time. They're like, yeah, you know, Deion Branch left, Adam Vinatieri left. They lost in 2006 in the AFC title game. You know, I remember, I talked about early sports memories. I remember watching the Colts beat the Bears in that Super Bowl, too. I was at a guy named Chris's house in Tualatin, Oregon, and I got food poisoning. I was really sick. I remember sitting, everyone's watching the game. In the living room, I was, like, in the, the gaming room in another room, like, on the couch, like, puking, feeling horrible by myself. And the rain was falling. Devin Hester ran back at touchdown. So, I remember, that's probably my, my very first football memory watching football on TV is actually that game. This guy, Chris, had gotten a brand new TV. It was beautiful. Uh, that's probably my very first memory. I was, like, you know, nine years old <laughs> watching the Super Bowl. Um, it's interesting to think about in 2007, before the year began, Bill Belichick made a trade for Randy Moss. And you're like, with hindsight, it's crazy to realize and think about the fact that they traded a fourth round pick to get Randy Moss. And then he went on to break the NFL single season touchdown record with 23 touchdowns that year. That's crazy to me. You're like, I can't. I mean, he was in year 10. He... People were saying he's washed up, he can't play, he's lost a step, he doesn't care, he's a distraction. And, I mean, I, I get why. I understand why 
he had a low trade value and no one's going to trade like a first round pick for Randy Moss. But it's kind of it's like, how could anyone let that happen? And Bill Belichick is the king of making great personnel moves and making them pay off. It's like, how did you allow Bill Belichick to get Randy Moss? How did anyone allow Bill Belichick to get Mac Jones as his quarterback in the middle of the first round? Like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Over and over again, Bill Belichick just gets steal after steal after steal. I'm a bit disappointed that Cam Newton didn't work out, but interesting stuff to me. Now, it was different in this episode. They had not just a Patriots perspective, but also a Giants perspective. Michael Strahan on the other side. And I, it makes sense why they had Michael Strahan in this episode. He's a great TV personality. He's a great person to interview. He also won the game. And I, I, it makes a lot of sense why they had only Patriots before, but why you want the winning perspective in this episode. And also, if you got a guy, like think of the people in this episode, like they've always put people on camera in this series that were truly great at talking on camera. People that give great sound bites and have work like Randy Moss works on TV. Michael Strahan does, I think good morning America. I believe I've never actually watched that show, but he does something like that on one of those news morning crappy, like, Hey, me and Kelly or something, whatever it happening. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't actually know, but I've seen him like on Ellen and stuff. Like he's a big personality in the television world. And, He's great on camera as well, and I like hearing him cuss. There's a great moment where you hear a horn honk right as he is about to talk, and he's like, effing New York, and you're like, yeah! Like, I can't say enough how grateful I am that they made this series explicit with cussing, because I, I, and I, I've been flirting with the thought, maybe I should start dropping F-bombs on Strong Opinion Sports. I mean, that really is how I talk in real life, and I, I feel like a little bit, and that's part of why... I don't script these episodes at all. I'm just literally going through my notes on a notebook. But I, I do often somewhat script Strong Opinion Sports, the regular show. And part of why I do that is because I know, I, I, I know that if I let myself go, I'll get really ranty and I, I'm going to drop some F-bombs and I have to cut them out. And so um, <laughs> it's easier just to, it saves me time editing to just write a little bit and kind of have some bullet points and stuff. But um, I, I think in the move that Belichick made to get Randy Moss, the lesson here and what we've seen over and over and over again with Bill Belichick's mindset is I'm pretty sure he just looks for guys who want to win and want to work. He's like a guy with that kind of attitude. I can work with that. I can win with that. A guy who is not afraid to get dirty like Randy Moss did not seem happy. In another great trade. Remember, they traded for Corey Dillon. They got Corey Dillon from Cincinnati. They got Randy Moss from Oakland. Like guys who were on one team, not winning, not happy, not producing, who wanted a better culture. And those are the kind of people that fit in well with New England. Like not everyone's going to be a New England kind of guy. But a guy who wants to win and isn't afraid to work and isn't afraid to get criticized and coached really hard. And it's cool to hear this team talk about how, you know, they had humble pie. Like every Monday, they'd be kicking the crap out of opponents. And I remember vividly watching, they dominated Washington. It was Jason Campbell, and they, they won like 56 to 7. It was an ugly, awful game. I remember 
the Bills game where they it was in the snow and Randy Moss had a touchdown, like a long, long touchdown, and the Patriots wore their red throwback uniforms. Like those were sick, by the way. I love those uniforms. I uh, in Madden recently, I, I I finally graduated from Madden eleven. I, I think I'm playing. I think it's Madden. I think it's seventeen actually. It's one of the newer, newer in quotes, Madden 17, I think on Xbox One. I've been playing that recently, but I started a franchise with the Buffalo Bills and Tyrod Taylor, and he's so good at the zone read, and I always wear, I always have the Buffalo Bills wear their alternate red uniforms, because they're so sick. I love that look, and I, it looks good in the Patriots, looks good in Buffalo, and um, I don't know, man. I uh, I think it's cool that the Patriots were willing to allow themselves to be coached really hard by Bill Belichick. Like that's something you see often where I think Nick Saban, who is very similar and good friends with Bill Belichick is similar to, he doesn't like when his team gets too big ahead. He doesn't mind when they lose a game during the regular season because it brings them back down to earth and helps them refocus. And uh, I almost wonder if this team would have won a Super Bowl if they hadn't had the pressure of going undefeated. I think that honestly really tripped them up and it's a weird psychological thing where this poor team they they have all this like one more game and it's it's a hard thing to sustain that stay perfect no one's perfect like you can't even even during a perfect season you're making mistakes constantly here and there you got to fix and execute better and um i also think it's funny that whenever a team is done. And not just a team, it's a person. It's I feel this way often on like I look, I'm not the biggest YouTuber in the world. I'm pretty successful. Like I I talk about sports for a living. I love my job. I'm very happy and I'm proud of that. And I worked hard to get here. And I feel this way. I feel like I see other people do it to other teams and people and athletes. And it doesn't really matter what we're talking about. Whenever anyone is does something successful, I feel like other humans feel this desire to knock them down a pick. Like they feel bad about themselves and they need to attack. And I think that definitely happens to the Patriots teams over the years. Like we have to justify, we have to, well, but, and it's like, well, there's no, but like the Patriots were amazing. Tom Brady is amazing. Um, I don't know, man. It's interesting to me too. The giants, Michael Strahan talked about how going into the year, he was thinking about retiring. Like, ah, one final year. He didn't want to go to training camp. And going into the year, a Super Bowl wasn't even on his mind. The playoffs weren't even really a focus for him. He was like, look, I'm just trying to have fun. I got one year left in the NFL. I want to enjoy it. I want to really make sure that I go out. And for him, going out on top meant, you know, going out with a good year and enjoying the experience and having a swan song of that sort. I don't think Michael Strahan pretty clearly in his wildest dreams thought he would actually win a Super Bowl in his final year on a pretty average New York Giants team. And that is what takes us to week 17. The Giants hosting the Patriots. The Patriots are 15-0, game in New York, and the Giants almost won. And I remember watching this game with my dad. It was so fun. The Giants were playing so physical. I mean, they just went after Tom Brady, hitting him, and they hung around. And it wasn't a game that the Giants were supposed to be competitive in. And something I didn't know about that game, apparently the Giants didn't really game plan for this game. They're like, look, we, we have the playoffs next week. This game doesn't really mean anything. We want to win, but it, 
doesn't mean anything to us. So they didn't want to give away anything schematically, any stunts or blitzes or coverages or looks on offense that might help the team they were going to play next week in the playoffs. So I didn't know that. Apparently, the Giants' game plan was intentionally very vanilla. They're like, we're just going to line up and do what we do and see if we can win. And they almost did, which is part of why, look, if this would not have worked out any other way, if the Giants hadn't played the Patriots in almost one week 17, they would not have beat them, I think, in the Super Bowl. That game psychologically gave them so much confidence. They're like, look, we can really hang. We weren't even doing our best to win, and we still almost beat the Patriots. That That is the game that really sealed the fate of the Patriots, in my opinion. And I also remember it's this famous clip, that deep ball to Randy Moss. And I, I didn't know that, you know, they tried it. I tried to deep ball to Randy Moss. It didn't work. And Brady said, same play again on one. And they broke the huddle and did it again. And that's the throw where Tom Brady threw a long touchdown pass to Randy Moss to break the record. Tom Brady got his 50th touchdown pass on the year, the most of all time in a single season at the time. I think Peyton Manning broke that later. And then Randy Moss getting his 23rd touchdown of the year, a receiving record. And, um, I mean, it's such a fun, I mean, I just, I gotta say again, this episode was so fun. This is why the man in the arena exists is for episodes like this, to hear Tom Brady talk about these crazy special moments, good and bad. And so the Patriots win. They go. They do go 16-0, a historic achievement. But they got three more games to win in order to complete the 19-0 perfect year. And pressure's building and mounting. And the Patriots do not play great in the playoffs. They almost lose to... Eh, they play crappy against Jacksonville, right? They play sloppy against the San Diego at the time Chargers and Phillip Rivers. And the Green Bay Packers were expected to go to the Super Bowl that year. They were hosting the Giants in the playoffs. And I, I remember this, too. Like, Brett Favre threw a really bad interception that led to the Giants. It was like the ga- thing that sealed the game for the Giants. And so the Giants are going to the Super Bowl. We're getting a rematch of these teams that had a great game, Week 17. And I, I, I really, truly, this is the first year I really followed football. I think maybe the watching Rex Grossman lose to Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, maybe that was the thing that really moved my heart. I'm like, I should pay attention to this really cool thing going on. My dad was really into it back in the day. And the Patriots were a better team. Apparently there was a bit of drama where Plaxico Burris, a Giants receiver predicted, he's like, we're going to win 23 to 17. And Brady was kind of laughed at that and was like, we're only going to score 17 points. Like, as if it's like, we have a prolific offense. We scored 56 points against Washington. Like we, we had put up 40 points a game almost like crazy stuff. And for Brady, it's a offhand comment that means nothing. He's kind of laughing, having a good time. The Giants held on to that and are angry. And what's interesting about this, whenever you hear like, oh no, somebody said something in the media that made the other team really angry. On one hand, you can say, well, Tom shouldn't have said anything. And and absolutely, I'm sure that's why Belichick is so guarded and says nothing. And the more I watch this series, the more I'm like, yeah, Belichick's not going to be in any of these episodes. He's not even in <laughs> freaking Madden. Uh, but he doesn't want to give ammo to anybody. But also, here's the thing. If you're a team like the Giants, you're an underdog, you're looking for any kind of thing you can latch on to that can be a quote that motivates you. So Tom Brady could have said anything. I mean, to him, that's an offhand quote. Like, oh, who cares, right? 
but the Giants held on to that. Oh, this guy's arrogant. He thinks he thinks it's going to be easy to put up 40 points on us. I don't think it mattered what Tom Brady said leading up to the Super Bowl. I think the Giants were they would hang on would have hung on to anything. To Brady, that's not a big comment. To the Giants, they held on to that. And uh, I mean, the Giants, what we saw in the 2007, I guess it was technically February 2008. We saw a, a shining example that will always be the example of how you beat Tom Brady. You have to get pressure with a four-man rush. Your defensive line has to win one-on-one matchups and get after the quarterback and hit Tom Brady a ton. You got to be able to drop guys into coverage and still get pressure with a defensive line. If you can do that, if you have great defensive linemen and don't give Tom any easy completions, no little five-yard under routes, play press coverage, really tight, really physical, force him to beat tight, tight coverage and hit him a bunch. That is how you beat Tom Brady. And one thing I forgot about that Super Bowl that is, is uh, interesting to me. You know, the Patriots had chances to win this game. They dropped an interception late in the fourth quarter. And then on that play, that David Tyree helmet catch, which is an unbelievable play. I remember watching that like that, that catch and the Julian Edelman catch in the later Super Bowl are the two moments where you're like, that's unbelievable. And I have no doubt that Julian Edelman is going to be in this series when talking about that catch in the future, that, that Super Bowl is going to be one that, because he was the MVP of that Super Bowl, I believe. And we're going to for sure see Julian Edelman in that Super Bowl episode talking about beating the Falcons in the 28-3 game. Prediction now, but I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. But they could have sacked, the Patriots also could have sacked Eli Manning, and they didn't. I mean, there, there were opportunities that were missed by the Patriots. And Eli just throws it up in the middle field. I literally cried watching this episode. Again, I, I remember being 10 years old, watching this with my dad. It's one of my favorite memories. Me, my little brother. We had, I think we, we my dad made, uh, it, it's like knockoff Skyline Chili. My, and I, this is why I love Skyline Chili to this day. My dad, I remember for this Super Bowl, made spaghetti, chili, and cheese. And you shred the cheese and you put Nally chili on it and it's if you've never had it, I, I recommend you do it. If it's it's freaking amazing. It's really good. It's probably my favorite meal of all time. And uh, it's a bit nostalgic too. But I mean, this really is the game that got me to fall in love with football. And it's such a heartbreaking loss for the Patriots and Tom Brady. And you know, you're 18 and one, you lost in the Super Bowl. You didn't finish your mission. And really, it's the first time that Tom Brady lost a Super Bowl. It's, he's learning how to handle these new, different emotions. And I, we, everyone's been there. If you ever played football, there's almost nobody that's won every game of their life to end. Like, uh, How many guys won four straight state championships in a row, then won four straight national championships in a row? Like, No one did that. Everyone at some point has lost and had to go home and their season is over. And I remember, you know, we lost in uh, we lost in Kennewick one year, and the next year we I could never win a game in Central Washington in the snow. We lost in Kennewick and we lost in Wenatchee both years. When I was a varsity starting quarterback in Washington, in the cold, I remember I should have wore a scuba suit like I saw Mac Jones wearing the other day. I remember I wore three long sleeve shirts, and they were they had a guy come out shirtless, and I'm like, oh, we're in trouble because the ball is a rock, and I threw the ball over the yard. We dropped everything, and um, I watched that film a couple years ago, like after, you know, way after the game. And I'm like, it's just painful to watch. Cause I, 
I shredded it that game, and I, I love my receivers. It's a hard thing to catch up. It's basically, you're throwing a brick, and they, they struggled to catch up that game. And guys are losing their footing, and I think they were wearing, like, literally, I, I would not be shocked to hear that Wenatchee High School is wearing metal baseball spikes to cut through the ice. If that was true and happened, I would not have been shocked to hear that. Um, and I would, if I could have done that, I mean, that's, that's a great advantage. That's a, a genius thing. I never thought of that till uh, years later, but I'm like, I wonder if they were because they had such better footing than we did. Um, but everyone's been in that moment where you're on the bus, you're going home, you're sullen, you lost. I remember saying to my guys, when we lost my senior year of high school football, I looked around and like, guys, like it was fun. It, 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 it we didn't do what we came to do, but I really loved being around you. And it was, it was a good year and it was a good time. And it's interesting to hear Tom Brady talk about that. You know, when you lose your, your dream is shattered. Everyone starts, oh, not ever. Some teams are so bad. They know they're not going to win a championship, but most, if you're a good football team, you go into the year thinking we're going to win and we have high expectations and we're going to win a title. And it sucks when you fall short and don't do that. Now, it was cool that uh, Michael Strahan won a Super Bowl. I like he's a good dude. Like that's a great way to he, he kind of had the perfect end to his career that anyone could possibly have. Came out of nowhere, won a Super Bowl. It's awesome for him. Um, but it's it's really sad losing that game. Is sad for the Patriots because that 2007 team deserves better than the way they're remembered. I mean, they were remembered as a team that couldn't finish the job and. They were so much more than that. I remember watching them dominate, just take it to people. And they weren't even trying sometimes. Like you could tell, I mean, it was easy for them. It's, it was amazing football. Like it really deserves to be respected more than, it's sad. Like they're always going to be written off for that one loss they had at the end of the year. If they went 18 and one and lost in week five instead of in the Super Bowl, they'd be remembered differently. They really would. It's sad that, History doesn't care about the 2007 Patriots because they lost in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. And, and the way this episode ended was Tom Brady saying, like, you know, I knew if I was going to ever win another Super Bowl, I would celebrate it a ton. And that kind of leads us off into it's kind of foreshadowing about him celebrating Tampa. And remember, Tom Brady recorded this this offseason after beating uh, who did it? Who did they play in the Super Bowl last year? They beat. Um, why don't I remember? Kansas City. Yeah, the Patriots, the, the Buccaneers beat Kansas City last year in the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady celebrated hard, and that'll be fun to hear him talk about. It's funny that the Super Bowl, I, I, I don't know, I can't wait to hear him talk about that, I think this was Skip Bale, no, it was Max Kellerman quote, that he fell off the cliff. He, I have no doubt they're going to play that clip in this episode, or this series, and have Tom Brady react to hearing him having fallen off a cliff and they're going to roast Max Keller. And I'm, I'm sure of that. Um, and I could even, I could even imagine Brady going like, I don't normally listen to media, but I saw that. And that really did motivate me. Like that would not surprise me at all. If we saw almost word for word, Tom Brady saying that, that would be like really cool to me. So um, look, there's great stuff ahead. We got a lot of good super, you got another Super Bowl loss to the giants coming up. We got, I want to hear about the Russell Wilson win. I want to hear about, Losing to Nick Foles, the 28-3 game. I can't wait to hear about Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl in Tampa. And you know, the story of him leaving New England and why he chose Tampa and why he felt good about that. And it's going to be awesome, man. I really, really cannot wait to. And how savage is he going to be about Jameis Winston? 
is going to be like, look, I looked at Tampa and said they're a great football team who just needs a quarterback. They had bad quarterback, but like, is he going to unintentionally roast Jameis Winston when he talks about why he chose Tampa? I don't know, but I, uh, this, this episode is why I wanted to cover Man in the Arena. It was perfect. It's exactly what I want from this series, and I, I'm excited for There's great stuff ahead. It's going to be a really good next six episodes, and I hope you enjoyed this one. I love you. I appreciate you. But um, bum bam, we are done.